0: Welcome in to episode 4 of the European Soccer Betting Podcast on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Congrats, Griffin Warner, Best Bet winner. I had to settle for a push, but neither- nonetheless, that sets us at 3-0-1 on our Best Bets through two weeks of doing this. First week was you know kind of a tryout week, but two- through two weeks of Best Bets, we are 3-0-1. Can't complain about that. So, Without further ado, I'll let you gloat a little bit. Griffin Warner joins me. Uh, it's nice to see that. It's nice to see that
1: uh, push come across the line. You see a little profit for yourself, huh? You know, it was uh, an interesting one to put it that way. Um, so I had taken Stad Rene or or Ren in kind of the English version uh, on the road at Monaco. Uh, I, I put it out there as a quarter goal underdog. Um, ended up closing as a half a goal underdog with a lot of juice, or a quarter goal underdog about what I said. Um, it was a pretty wild game, um, on the road at Monaco. There's not really a huge crowd factor. And I felt right about that one. It was pretty fortunate that there was a red card on Monaco for a, a stomp on a leg, not like a vicious one, but just guy missed the ball and went spikes first right into a guy's shin bone, I think. Um, and it was pretty wild because Ren ended up taking a lead in the second half, went up one nil, um, probably wishes. I wish they did and, and I'm sure they wish they had, had like pushed that lead even higher. Uh, but then had a, a goalie goalkeeper get injured and then they brought in a, a young guy off the bench and he uh, made a real mess uh, where he tried to stop the ball is with one foot and pass it to a teammate and the striker for Monaco just, Rob, straight hand in the cookie jar, just kicked it right into the goal before the goalkeeper even tried to complete the pass. So that was pretty embarrassing, but maybe that's what happened with 19-year-olds when they get out there. Uh, But he ended up making a really big save at the end, so held on for a 1-1 draw. Um, Decent for Ren and uh, a winner, most importantly. Yes, and we should reiterate, using the Asian handicap of a
0: quarter goal means that you're betting half your bet on a half goal, plus a half goal in Ren's case and half your bet on a pick'em. for accounting purposes for this bet for this podcast our best bets are either going to be a win or a loss so if you have a plus a quarter goal and it's a push that's a win on the other hand it could bite you the other way if we have plus three quarter goals and our team pushes well that's a loss for us because half of our bet was minus one if we were doing minus three quarters
1: goals actually so so let's start that over so if it's a quarter of a goal and they draw that means you win half your bet and so we're counting that as a win um if they are plus three quarters of a goal and they lose by a single goal by one, it right. means you lose half your bet and we're counting that as a loss. Right. It's a full loss or a full win for accounting
0: purposes. So we're not two and a half, oh, and one and a half. We're three, oh, right. and one. And it's it's going to work out in the long run. We're three, oh, and one because I did not come through with a profitable wager for you guys. But watching the game, Chelsea Tottenham, Chelsea 70% possession the first half. It looked like, like there was only one team in it. Thomas Tuchel at the end of the game said pretty plainly that it was not a fair result if you were watching the game. He said there were clear fouls in the buildup of both goals. Tottenham scored two to tie Chelsea 2-2, despite Chelsea dominating the game. And Tuchel surmised, we were brilliant. Only one team deserved to win. We dominated the 90 minutes. And not only because I had a wager on Chelsea, but because I was an objective football observer. I don't think he lied with a single word of that. It was a very impressive performance, but it also showed that Chelsea might use a striker to put away some of these chances that they were creating because they were creating a bunch. They only scored two goals. Tottenham matched that themselves. It was a two-two draw. Uh, what did you make of the game, and uh, did you end up making that plus a quarter bet on Tottenham that you were considering?
1: So I did, and uh, I gotta say, I'm I'm I felt pretty embarrassed for a lot of what I saw, um, and felt very very fortunate to escape. With that half of a goal, I guess half of a unit victory, um, didn't feel like it was deserved. And I'm not apologizing for it because it happens a million times the other other way. Unfortunately, I feel like I lose way more of those than I win. Um, But Tottenham were outplayed the the whole first half. It looked like they were planning to counterattack, but really had no ability to do so. Uh, Chelsea had an awesome goal from Koulibaly off a corner kick uh, right like seconds after he kicked one into the crowd from like a similar position, but it was pretty impressive and he's a great player. And so I don't know that we'll see many more of those going forward, Uh, but Tottenham equalized uh, in a very controversial fashion after there was a foul in the buildup that should have, I think, disallowed the goal, but they let it stand because, Referees in in soccer just just make decisions that make no sense in any form or fashion of the world, Um, which led to a huge, huge fight basically on the sidelines between Thomas Tuchel and Antonio Conte, uh, the two managers of the two clubs. Um, More to that story in a little bit. Uh, Then Tottenham still playing and and still pinned back in their own end, tried to to get out too quickly and um, were hit basically on a, a counter attack, even though there wasn't really any sort of countering because Chelsea were stepping on, on them the whole day. Uh, Raheem Sterling scored or, or passed off to Reese James for a goal to go up two one. And I was thinking, well, I, I, at least I had a shot, uh, earlier. This is probably over. Uh, and then Tottenham got a, a corner kick, which looked like there was a foul. Some guy grabbed some hair or something like that. Soccer players are crazy when they're, <laughs> they're mad, but whatever. Um, And then they still let the corner kick stand instead of sending it the other way. And little, do you know, Harry Kane finally does something offensively gets in the way and, and flicks a header into the uh, other side of the goal for two, two right at the death. And uh, I got to say, I think your handicap was really good. Um, Chelsea certainly outplayed expectations coming into the season. I think everyone was all over Tottenham based on the the moves they had done. And I do think that that Tottenham will finish higher than, Chelsea will in the Premier League but um, I definitely had to reevaluate what I was thinking about these two teams before the match uh, ended up kicking off.
0: Well I appreciate that because I did think the handicap was strong after watching the game but I kind of agree with you that where Tottenham's going has an ascendancy that Chelsea can't match and even though it was you know I think an unfair result for Chelsea you know Anthony Taylor the referee uh, is a wanted man in London at this point especially the south of London a petition going on to try to make sure that he never refs another Chelsea game again because this isn't the first time if you're a Chelsea fan you would know that uh, he made some controversial calls that ended up in Chelsea not getting the result that they wanted but there are some things that Tottenham did that I kind of it should have expected why this could have been closer than just the run of play would would allow when first of all when you have better strikers when you have guys like Harry Kane you can play a worse game through 90 minutes and end up with the draw because he was Johnny on the spot when Chelsea had similar corners late in the game where it was kind of rushed and kind of um, mixed around and they didn't end up putting the game away, which they could have. Number two, I thought early in the season, the midfield dominance of Conte and Jorginho would be stronger than it will be later in the season because they're older players. They might get worn down. Well, Conte looked like the man of the match through 82 minutes. And then he pulled up a handstring, came up lame, and Chelsea was, it looked like they were... Holding on for dear life, uh, the last ten minutes of the game without Conte out there, Nicola Conte, not not the Tottenham manager, but the Chelsea midfielder, and Jorginho, as as good as he was through through much of the game, made the mistake that led to Tottenham's first goal. So maybe uh, youth and exuberance and athleticism is something that Tottenham's going to have and continue to have, and it was a factor in this game. Uh, that said, Chelsea's not staying pat. Just about an hour ago, I saw a flash across my Twitter. That Pierre Emmerich Mayang or Alba, as, as some people call him, uh, the former Arsenal striker, went to Barcelona for a cup of coffee. It looks like he's going to Chelsea. Uh, do you think that fixes their problems? And um, what do you make of what
1: I said about how uh, Chelsea's older midfield might be a problem for them going forward? I mean, we saw it in uh holding his hamstring. Um, he's an older guy. He's probably the reason France were able to be so dominant in the world cup. And it's also why Chelsea won the champions league and had a pretty big fall off last season when he was injured or missed a lot of the season. Uh, I think you're spot on with that. I think his absence is going to be a big problem because he actually was creating a lot when he was playing last season for a Chelsea team that doesn't have a lot of scoring in it. And unfortunately I think without him, that's a huge downgrade for who they are now. Mateo Kovacic, uh, Croatian is, is very good. Um, but isn't the same type of creator and defender who somehow plays two positions, but only takes up one spot uh, on a roster. So that's a big deal. Uh, I do think Obama young um, is potentially going to build on a pretty big premier league career that he had had previously. I mean, he was a a great goal scorer for Arsenal and uh, was a big reason that got them into the Europa League a couple of seasons ago when they won uh, one of the cups. It was a COVID year. So there's so many things that run together, but um, I think he's got some behavioral things that they need to figure out. And it's amazing to me how many Divas play soccer. But um, if they can get that to work out, because unfortunately, hopefully Thomas Tuchel has, has learned from his bad relationships at PSG with the board and the team that way. And then also the awful thing that happened Romelo Romelu Lukaku last year um, where he was completely useless for him despite spending $120 million or something like that on him. Um, we'll see what happens there. But uh, I think the nice part is is everyone knows that it's Tuchel's team and that if it doesn't work out, uh, Aubameyang will be moved along. Uh, but I think any sort of striking talent that they could have is is great or that they can add. It does make me wonder about Christian Pulisic, uh, Mr. America. Sure, Unfortunately, sure. it feels like he's just never going to be preferred at that, at that club.
0: And Chelsea did bring in Pulisic for the last few minutes of that game, but they didn't need a goal. They were in a defensive shell, and that's kind of not his, his role. He's been rumored recently to the club of Manchester United, who could use a few goals in their squad, as, as, as has Real Madrid midfielder recently, uh, Casemiro. We haven't talked about it, but we were double best betting against Manchester United, fading Manchester United in week one of the Premier League. And they had a disappointing results. One of the worst results that they've had uh, in recent memory. It was nothing, nothing in the press, in the tabloids, in the Manchester United media. The delirious reaction to what happened in week two of the Premier League when they were favored by a half goal at Brentford, but they didn't lose by one and they didn't lose by two. They lost four to nothing. One of the worst results in recent memory. Dating back to last year, they've now lost four in a row and five of seven with only one win in that. This bad run started with a 4-0 shelling at Anfield. Okay, that's expected. Liverpool, one of the best clubs in Europe, Manchester United, not quite there at this moment. But that's the bookend. They lost 4-0 at Anfield, and then they lost 4-0 at Brentford. Where is this club? Are they going to finish 10th in the Premier League? Is Ten Howe going to get fired three games into the league? Are they going to get Casemiro? Are they going to get... Politic, would it make any difference? What do you make of the calamity that is Manchester United at this
1: moment? Uh, well, most importantly, and most, what makes me the saddest is they're not an underdog this weekend. So um, I was really just planning to bet against them until they somehow showed some signs of life. Um, but this has been going on since last season. I think uh, they are an underdog. Yes. But uh, I, I have been betting underdogs against Manchester United for a very long time. And uh, We'd like to continue doing that, but this weekend they are the underdogs. So I'm I'm not really a favorites better in in, in much of, of my gambling, but especially not in soccer. So uh, I'm disappointed that they're not facing another sister of the blind in the Premier League because that's who I would love to bet against them. Uh, Brentford played really well and certainly are off to a great start this season. But Manchester United are a really tough spot. Um, Eric Ten Hag came in. Um, and he's got a huge project on his hands. I don't think that they're going to sack him or fire him that quickly, uh, but I don't know that there's a lot that he can do, unfortunately. And I think it's all going bad, and I don't really think it's going to change when they play Liverpool this weekend. Well, let's
0: talk about Liverpool real quick, and then we're going to handicap that matchup, that Monday night matchup that you mentioned, Manchester United hosting Liverpool. Because if you look at – and I'm not sure if the other people do this at Soccer, but if you look at the ATS margin, if you just add up their spreads – and you add up their net goal differential. Manchester United by far the worst in the league. They're minus six and a half versus expectation. Number two might surprise some people. They were favored by a goal and a half in each game. They drew each game. That would be Liverpool. Minus three and a half goals versus expectations. Before we talk about their matchup with Man United, what did you make of their draw? They obviously lost a man uh, midway through and ended up pulling out a draw anyway. But they were hosting a Crystal Palace team. They were supposed to beat Handily, by a goal and a half. They only scored a goal. Uh, what did you make of that performance? And um, how how loud should the fire bell be, be ringing for one of the favorites
1: coming into the Premier League? Uh, I, I'm concerned. So they had a really good showing in the Community Shield uh, in a victory against, Man, uh, against Manchester City and have really not followed that up very well in league play so far. Now, the first matchup they – I mean, gave a pretty tough penalty to Fulham didn't look like a lot of contact, but I think it was a a, pen, a deserved penalty. Um, and then they didn't really bounce back from their two, two draw on the road at Fulham, um, because they fell behind and they keep doing that. They fall behind a lot. I think it cost them the premier league last season. Uh, they don't lose a lot of matches that they fall behind on, but, uh, in order to catch man city, you have to win all the time. And they are now, uh, unfortunately four points behind after only two weeks. And those are points that they can't get back. They can't win those unless they, they really take it to city when they have their matchups. Uh, But specifically to that performance, I mean, Darwin Nunez showed his age and how uh, he really overreacted clearly to um, a little bit of pinching prodding, whatever you'd want to call it from Joe Commanderson. But you can't headbutt some guy in the jaw. I mean, I, I don't know where in Uruguay that's allowed. It's certainly not allowed in Portugal, um, that, that's crazy. And I guess you could credit Liverpool for, um, fighting and getting a, a wonder goal, um, from, uh, a, a recent signing that they really needed. Um, and to get that, that one, one draw, I think they were still in there fighting for, uh, to potentially win, but I think Crystal Palace deserved and, and honestly could have won themselves. Um, I, I'm worried about Liverpool because there are also some weird substitutions like taking Robertson out at the like 62 minute Mark um, he's one of the more important uh, attacking defenders and bringing in Simikas who's younger and is probably the the left back of the future for Liverpool. But I, I don't know. There's a lot of questions I had about what was going on there. They're already dealing with a ton of injuries, which just reminds me of a couple seasons ago. And um, unfortunately, that gap between Manchester city, it was huge last year and they were able to, to almost completely overturn it. They took the lead, but then didn't end up winning, falling by, a single point in the champions race, but ultimately they need to win, and uh every match they don't win, especially against poor teams, they face two of the the bottom half teams in the league and have two points to show for it, so uh not a very good start and yeah, their payout has
0: doubled, so the odds are reflecting this poor start they were plus two fifty to start the season. they're now five to one man city's gone from minus one fifty to minus three hundred. You mentioned the injuries I'm just looking at their their roster. I feel like the midfield is an area where they're really going to miss uh, Thiago. James Milner has been in the Premier League for about two and a half decades. Fabinho's no spring chicken. And uh, Jordan Henderson, they had to bring off the bench. So I, I, I'll i be honest, you know, pull back the curtain. I, I entered this uh, right before we did the podcast and I asked you about Man U. And I wanted to find a way to bet against this Liverpool team because on the one hand, you look at expected goals, and they should have probably won each of the two games that they drew by about a half goal. And if they were up two, if they were two and oh, and they'd won, they barely scraped by two games, would they really be downgraded at all? I'll say, okay, but they weren't supposed to just win these games, and they didn't, and they weren't supposed to just win them by expected goals either. They're supposed to edge by. And we talked to coming into this season in the community shield how are they going to be without Sadio Mane? How are they going to be with this new format is nunez going to be that main guy or are they going to be over dependent on uh robert sala and i don't think they have it figured out and I'll, I'll i'll talk about um this book i was reading on on soccer analytics and a big chapter of this book is the 2014-2015 Borussia dortmund squad that was a uh, jorgen klopp's team they had just made the Champions League final a couple of years ago. They had been one of the surprise upstarts in Europe. They'd gone from almost being relegated when he started with the club to being one of the Premier League teams, one of the Premier teams in Europe. And then 2014-15 happened and they were terrible out the gate. And this was right around the time, 2014-15, where expected goals started becoming a, a documented fact. And they were one of the reasons why. Where If you look at their expected goals, you the know, beginning of the season, they were doing really bad and... Maybe they just got unlucky. They were supposed to score 25 goals. They only scored 18. They were supposed to give up 15 goals. They gave up 19. But analytics kind of evolved from that point. And then the second half of the chapter, they looked back and they said, was it just bad luck that Jorgen Klopp's team was doing that badly? Or was there something fundamentally different that the simple expected goals, how much of your shots should have gone in based on where you were when you shot them? That's how they do that calculation. Was that enough? And what they found out that Lewandowski, who had left the team at the beginning of the year was providing more than just what the analytics, the initial, the simple analytics were saying. One thing he wasn't pressing enough. He wasn't pressing. I'm sorry. The guys that were replacing him weren't pressing to the same degree. So although the opponents were getting shots in the similar areas, maybe over the course of the seam, over the course of the game, over the course of a season, their opponents just weren't as pressured and were calmer and cooler in those shots and made more of them. And the shots that they were getting, Although expected goals wise they should have gone in more, they weren't being deflected in the same way because they weren't coming from the similar areas and the rebounds weren't in the same place. So long story short, the further you got into the analytics, it wasn't bad luck, it was the fact that they were missing a key guy that they had really built their team around. I would argue that Sadio Mane, flash forward now, Liverpool was you know, a two-man team, a three-man team with a big with a big three up front. I'm not sure if it wasn't a two-man team or if it, if Salah doesn't have that same kind of animal on the other wing that's pressing with the same degree, that's getting into the similar areas and putting and relieving off pressures. I think this team might be might have a bigger hole in their attack than we might have previously recognized. And the fact that Nunes, yeah, he got he got ejected. He had a really bad response. He headbutted some guy, but he also wasn't doing anything prior to that. He also wasn't that force up front. He wasn't pressing to the same degree that they had with Mane and Firmino getting old, not even playing in the last game. I think there is something fundamentally wrong with Liverpool. However, I trust your knowledge on this. And as much as I wanted to fade Liverpool, you said, do not bet Manchester United. So uh I, I defer on that one, but that that's my take. What do you make of the game? Uh Do you see any, any, any way that you can attack it uh, other than just not betting Manchester United? <laughs>
1: I'm just trying to uh, save you some some aggravation, some money, and potentially some hairs on your head. Um, I need those. Just, I need every single I, one. <laughs> we all do. Don't, don't, don't we know it? Um, I mean, I, I think it's something that I, I – what you called out about Lewandowski and, and the Dortmund team of the past is is similar to something I said earlier on this podcast. Um, that I just felt like they wouldn't be able to press the same way with Darwin Nunez because that's what Mane was so good at. Um, they haven't had Firmino either. Um, I don't know if Nunez necessarily would have been starting just yet. I feel like that's someone they probably wanted to work into the rotation. Uh, I think they're a little ahead of schedule, and uh, Milner, 25 years in the Premier League, might be a little too low. Might be closer to 30 at this point. Um, and I, I feel like, unfortunately, you're seeing what happens. Even these really, really big teams that were worth so much money. Um, depth is a real issue and that's I think part of the reason why Man City is so strong is that they always have so many replacements and so many people lined up it's it's hard to know who they're going to play but that's like a a blessing in disguise because they have so many options uh, I think we'll see from a lot of these teams I mean for most teams in in the soccer world they're not as good as Liverpool and so when they lose someone they really drop off but when Liverpool need to win every match and they do have some uh replacements in there unfortunately it really limits who they are um i would like to be against liverpool this weekend i just i think manchester united is so much of a disaster at this point that it's really hard um i feel like yes you could be a contrarian yes you could uh buy low but there's a stock market term where you don't want to catch a falling knife and uh instead of a, a falling knife i feel like uh manchester united right now is a falling guillotine That kind of keeps me off it too. And you listen to
0: the insiders like Gary Neville and and Keen, they couldn't be more pessimistic. They want the Glazers not only fired, but, you know, run out on a pitchfork, tarred and feathered. Uh, Gary Neville pretty much said, I expected them to lose both games. Like I have no faith in this team and that's, that's what happened. So hopefully he's a better uh, because those were two solid predictions. Uh, Another team uh, with a disappointing start to the season so far that, uh, uh, has a lot of new players and has a lot of money and is in a place is a franchise in flux, not unlike United. Let's move over to La Liga, where Real Madrid is now minus one ten to win it. Barcelona is down two to one. Uh, they're face Real Sociedad. We haven't t- talked much Barcelona coming into this
1: coming into this season, but uh, what do you make of this matchup? What do you make of the squad? Well, so Barcelona, uh, we we did touch on a little bit in the last episode, but um, ultimately they somehow were able to get almost all their players registered. uh, Miraculous, all these new funding abilities that they can kind of pull up at 11.59 with a midnight deadline, it seems. But whatever, they got what they needed. Um, I think they're a really talented team. I actually saw them live in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. I mean, it was not exactly a a, uh, stringent, affair, but they played Juventus and then ultimately, I think Juve, they had a pretty strong lineup out there. Barcelona has too many good players, so there's plenty all over to see. Um, they're a really talented offensive team, and the nice part for Barcelona is they kind of get a, a pretty soft landing against Real Sociedad. That was the first uh, La Liga match or first soccer match really of my life I went to last year in October. Uh should be a pretty good venue. Um, they certainly made me go almost deaf. Uh, whistling at the uh, at the referee when I went there after an early red card, but on the home team. Um, but from what I from what I see with these two teams, uh, Sociedad did build a lot this off season. They brought in some good players, really on the offensive side because they struggled to score last year. But their defense has never been very good. Uh, the the nice part is that they were able to outscore their flaws. Uh, and a lot of La Liga's teams can't really score goals, so Sociedad look a lot better than I think they truly are. Problem is, is that their their defense is going to get exploited against a Barcelona team um, who have plenty of talent at all positions. And from where I sit, um, Sociedad seemed like a, a really, really – I mean, the market certainly loves Sociedad in this matchup, but I'm not sure it's deserved. I tend to agree with you. In
0: fact, I'm going to make this my best bet. Barcelona minus a quarter goal. Uh, they struggled week one, and they have struggled since Messi left as – Massive favorites. So the last seven times they've been minus 350 favorites. They have zero wins, three losses, and four draws. And you might say, oh, well, I mean, no Messi. They're not as good as they used to be. Well, that's not really what my analysis is talking about here. So for 10 years, they won 85% of their games as minus 350 favorites or more in La Liga. And now the last seven times they haven't won once. And instead of winning by two and a half goals a game, which they usually do, They're losing by about a half a goal a game. But I'm only looking at times where they're minus 350 favorites. So what am I saying here? It's not that they're so much worse than they used to be, which they are. Iniesta's not walking through that door. Xavi's walking through that door, but he's not putting his cleats on. Uh, They're not as good as they used to be. Messi's not there. But even as big favorites, they don't even come close to producing the way the market thinks. So not only are they not as good, but I think more importantly, the air of invincibility is gone, is absent from new camp. And bringing in new players, they weren't able to just recreate that instantly. But that's not the situation. In this situation, they're on the road and they're not expected to dominate. They have, a, they win, they beat expectations just by winning the game. They're plus 105 on the three-way money line. They have another week of training with Javi, Lewandowski's in the mix, all those guys that got registered at the last second. Kunde should be registered by the second game, who, who wasn't registered for the first game. I just feel like, unlike Manchester United, who's all sixes and sevens, who's in disarray, who historically poor results have a very clear explanation—that there's that they're a rudderless ship. I think Barcelona is actually turning the corner. I believe in Xavi. Uh, I don't see much from Real Sociedad that scares me. In general, I like betting teams on the road that are motivated because if you're locked in and it's very important that you win, distractions don't really distract you as much as they might. If if you're you know living life hot. Uh, large on the log or whatever it is, hot on the ham. You know what I'm talking about. I think Barcelona comes in max motivated. I think covering a quarter goal is going to be simple for them because they're just that much better, and it doesn't matter where they play. When they have guys that have been in the World Cup, they have guys that are top of their game. I don't think they're distracted by being on the road. So laying a quarter goal here, that's my best bet. Barcelona minus a quarter goal. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, I think it's a really short line um, and feels like a lot of overreaction to the initial opener. Um, I think Sociedad, they did a lot to build their team and their offense, but they're still uh, down their talisman and Miguel Ogarthabal. And ultimately, I just, I, I've just watched them fail in the spotlight too many times for me to believe them. So uh, I agree with the play. I'm not going to make it myself, most likely, as I, I think road favorites are a really tough thing for me to stomach. Um, but uh, I'd lean your way. Well, you haven't
0: been betting the NBA with me, my friend, because road favorites is how I made my bones the last couple of years. But different sport, I'm not saying that that, that inherited wisdom is necessarily accurate for soccer. I'm still you know, paying my dues here. We are 3-0-1, but me, I'm only 1-0-1. So I got undefeated, though. Unde- undefeated it matters, either. man. No, no. No doubt about it. I'm happy about it. Uh, we haven't talked any Syria. Uh, uh, I know I was listening to Betting the Pitch. You were high on Roma, and they looked really good week one. Uh what do you make of what did you make of that initial performance, and why do you think they're gonna finish in a champions
1: league spot, which up until a few weeks ago was an underdog proposition? yeah, thanks for uh referencing betting the pitch' it's my podcast. I go through each of the matchups and really just speak betting lines the whole time. so if you're into that sort of thing, feel free to check me out um but yeah, I actually highlighted Roma and foolishly uh said it before I bet it, uh which is probably a big mistake um but yeah i I pointed out that Roma had done a ton of work in the off season. Uh, building a team for Jose Mourinho, who, I mean, has won so much over his career, but usually was not really an offensive force. Um, And they were a great offense last season. And then they did a ton of business in the transfer window this year. And uh, I got to say, I'm really looking forward to them. I I gave them out as a plus 135 uh, underdog to – finished in the top four in Syria and Italy, which would grant them a Champions League spot. And uh, by the time I went to bet it, or I just looked a couple of days later, uh, it had already moved from plus 135 to minus 150. So uh, I don't think that was me swaying the masses, but uh, someone agreed with me, or a lot of people agreed with me to make that number move as much as it did. And uh, I think they're a really strong team and I have high expectations for them this season. It's going to be a little bit of battle um, for them to deal with, uh, balancing Europe and, and also the uh, Serie A season. But I feel like there's nothing really stopping them from that top four finish and potentially even challenging the Juves and the Inters of the world. So this line started moving as far as Roma
0: becoming a favorite to be a European qualifier, top four finisher in Serie A, right around the same time that Paolo Diabla uh, was signed with Roma. What do you make of that addition? And it seems like the, the, the movement was ahead of that, But how much of
1: uh, your optimism is because of this recent signing? I mean, Paulo Dybala is a great player, and I think he was important to Juventus. um, But ultimately, his contract, how much he wanted, and then his contract was coming to an end. They tried to move him, and he didn't move for whatever reason. I'm not sure exactly why that was. Um, But they kind of were playing out the string until his contract was going to expire uh, and so he, he had really no chance but to leave. However, I thought he was a pretty talented player and potentially deserved. And, and I think Juve are going to potentially miss him a lot this season. Um, but he he's a great creator. He's not going to offer much for you defensively, but he's really important to that team. And I, I think he's, um, he, he's going to add some offensive ability uh, from a set piece po- standpoint uh, that will only make the Roma attack more dynamic. So, do you back Roma at six to one to win Syria? Odd. Does your optimism get that optimistic? I mean, that's putting me on the spot here, Mackenzie. But I like that. Um, (laughs) I I think from where I sit, six to one doesn't seem like too far of odds. I I mean, I got to say, like, I don't. I've I've never really been. Super impressed by Inter Milan. Um, they're really talented. They're really strong. I think what I've kind of mentioned about Man City in the Premier League is that they blow out. They murder teams. And do I know that Roma can do that? They certainly have the personnel to beat them. But I, I don't know that necessarily. I feel that confident about um, about Roma challenging for a title, especially because it's a, a big, big climb for them to win all these matches to get three points as they should against lower competition. Cause unfortunately inter are, are so strong. And I've been doing that for years now with this same kind of core of, of players where Roma haven't had to do that. So I feel like I'd want them to be uh, more in the challenge for champions league last season uh, to make that happen um, to really believe in them. But I don't see based on the talent. I feel like, their individual matchups against Juve and against Inter are, are going to be great spots, certainly with AC Milan as well. I feel like they have, uh, they're have they kind of on a level playing field with all those teams, and they haven't been for many years. And that's a theme that we go back to, that
0: winning your league means you win a lot of games where you're favored big and you come through. Whether you win the games where you're facing equal teams, one of the other challengers is probably of secondary importance. So Inter Milan is the favorite, plus 165. Juventus 2-1. to one. AC Milan, plus 450, and then, as we said, Roma, 6-1. to one. If there was a wager that they said uh, least amount of goals allowed in Serie A, I would not mind backing Jose Mourinho's crew, a uh, guy that allowed once 15 goals through 38 matches with his Chelsea team. Uh, he just seems to be able to not lose games at a rate that's incredible, but not necessarily having the same ability to win games, uh, Ho- uh, Jose Mourinho. So, Maybe to, maybe to make the Champions League bet is uh, better than to win, win it all, to win at Serie A and clean up all those, all those minus 500 bets. So moving on here, we've talked about Spain, England, Italy. We have not talked about the one team that people like to talk about in France, which is Paris Saint-Germain. They have Lionel Messi, and they have two talisman, maybe best player in the world, top 10 level players in the world, who are currently feuding, of course. Kylian Mbappe, World Cup winner, and Neymar, Confederation Cup winner. Not exactly getting along, but hey, they're winning, they're winning comfortably so far. What do you make of this squad? Uh, you know, they're up six goals and goal differential. Uh, is there anything to worry about, or is
1: all this just you know drama? ESPN FC likes to talk about stuff. I mean, there's there's always drama going on in the uh, in the city of Paris. Um, Neymar, I mean, probably could have a reality show that I think people would actually watch a lot more than the Real Housewives of whatever zip code they they stumbled upon. Now um, they are unfortunately a couple seasons ago they lost to they didn't win the French League Championship, which was incredible, um, especially because they were uh, miles in front by Christmas time last year or even really beforehand. Um, they're a really strong team. They have kind of done and followed the Bayern Munich um, stratagem, which is to buy the best player or some other teams in your league. Um, they do that outside of France as well, but they have essentially taken some of the best young talent from across League 1, and it's such a lopsided league, which I, I think it's a good league, but ultimately it's just not as competitive as it really should be um, because PSG are so strong, and I think that makes it Uh, Less interesting for people to watch. I also think it hurts PSG um, in Champions League because I feel like they don't have that focus that they need to because they're winning matches by landslides a lot of the time. Um, I think they're a really strong side, and they're one that I don't think is unbeatable. Uh, I do think there are teams in France that can give them enough of a challenge that they could be beaten. Uh, I just don't know exactly who those teams are at the moment. I mean, Certainly when you look at the top of France, there's some competition there. Uh, But there's a lot of five nil victories in them against the bottom of France because they just I mean, they spent so much money on their on their side, on their team, on their roster that the rest of uh, France is really just trying to uh, even keep the lights on.
0: Famously took Mbappe from Monaco, never looked back. This is this is going to prove your point as far as how unfair and maybe unwatchable League One is Paris Saint-Germain's number one in the league. They've scored 10 goals, they've only given up two goals, so they're actually plus eight goal differential. They have six points through two games. Number two in the league is Lille. They have a win and a draw. They have a plus three goal differential. They're number two in the league. Obviously, first you rank by points, second you rank by goal differential. Number two in the league. Well, those two teams are playing each other. Awesome, we got a number one versus a number two. And the game is at Lille. So it's at the number two team. This is the most competitive match we could imagine. All year, I'm not saying power ratings-wise, I'm just saying, you know, if you thought about it that way, who's the best teams in the league by goal differential and by points right now, these two teams matched up. And we're at the Inferiors team destination. Well, Paris is favored by almost a goal and a half. PSG is minus 1.25 at Lille, and that's the most competitive game we can probably imagine. So it makes sense that they end up losing magically, it seems, in the last second every year in the Champions League. They just seem to get outgridded, outedged out-edged in the biggest games because they only have like five or ten big games a year. And I agree with you. That seems to hurt them. And uh, I would split – if if I'm Mbappe, Neymar, Messi, I'm just like, what do I have to gain here? I can't win. If I win, then it's like, well, of course you won. And if you don't win, like we saw last year, this is the first year and I think 15 or 10 or something that Messi's not a top three, Bologna d'Or candidate because how can you defend him when he's one third of one of the most disappointing teams in Europe so uh do you have any uh do you like Paris minus 1.25 probably not at Lille or do you see any uh you see any bets in this one
1: um well so I thought Paris would be a much bigger favorite than they are uh I thought they'd be approaching two goals even on the road Lille uh won the, the title a couple seasons ago but have really um gone through a fire sale ever since uh their manager who is now coincidentally the manager of psg he left for uh after right after winning the title for uh a kind of mired in the middle or or slightly above the middle of the french table and went to nice um based on lille i think he knew that they had no money and they were going to sell a ton of players and so he ran for the hills as fast as he could found a project at nice and then enough poor performances by PSG ended up getting him that job, which I think he'll be good in that, in that position. Um, he, unfortunately for me, cause he was a really great guy to bet uh, for anyone going up against PSG. Um, Christophe Gaultier was awesome at really um, quieting their offense and, and making their extreme talent seem pretty mediocre. Um, but unfortunately, he now coaches the team that has all that talent. So uh, that's very limiting, unfortunately. I think Lille are off to a great start. Uh, it helped by playing a, a newly promoted side in their first opening matchup. They did a, a pretty impressive buy, bringing in a good striker from Claremont Foot, another team in Ligue 1. But ultimately, they've been selling players and selling pieces for an awfully long time. So, uh, I mean, I like home dogs. I like teams that are playing well, that take on PSG. Um, I just, I worry that Lille have maybe outperformed who they are. Um, and I just, I don't know that that type of number, uh, half a goal, about half a goal less than I made it, it is worth it enough for me to play, especially with all the juice on, on Lille at the moment it might even fall a little bit, uh, which might signal a closer game than even I'm expecting. That's interesting. I know you like the underdogs. I figured you were, you
0: were going to, uh, but Hey, power ratings are power ratings. And Five thirty-eight agrees with you. I have a little five thirty-eight tool that takes their global soccer ranking, spits out a expected line, and closer to one and a half goals, than it is to one goal, which is where it's priced at about one point two. I don't know, minus two hundred to win. I feel like I just don't see uh, Paris Paris letting this one slip. But like you said, they didn't even win League One or League One, as some of us call it, uh, with the same you know talent supremacy. So they obviously dropped a few games here and there. Before we move on to our best bets, let me save you guys a little bit of money. The coupon code this week is GOAL20. Now, how can you save money with a coupon code? Well, first, you want to go to pregame.com website that I signed up for not too many years ago about 2019 that it's changed my life. Not only did I get winning picks, but it made me invest myself, my time into the forums into getting to know people and ended up, hey, I'll work here now. So I can't promote pregame.com more earnestly or more honestly than I like joining a lot. And it is free to sign up. Sign up for pregame.com. You get a $25 uh, sign up free sign up bonus just for signing up. And if you're already a member like I am, like many of our listeners are, you can save 20% off anything on the site with this coupon code GOAL20. 20% off only for listeners of the European Soccer Betting Podcast on RJ Bell's Train Preview, and you get that at pregame.com. It's good for seven days. Goal 20, 20% off. Hey, if you wanted Griffin Warner's baseball picks, if you wanted Mackenzie Rivers' NBA picks, you wanted the Hitman's NFL picks, you can save 20% off any of those things I just mentioned or anything else on pregame.com with the coupon code GOAL20. Use it. Goal, 20. 20% off. All right, without further ado, I have given you my best bet. Barcelona minus a quarter goal. They're going to win 3-1 to is my prediction at Real Sociedad. But you're the winner. You're undefeated. You're 2-0. and Why don't you get, make it 3-0? and Why don't you give the people something to bet this weekend?
1: I will. Um, so I'm going to go back to the Premier League. And uh, from our first podcast, those who've been with us the whole time, thank you for sticking with us. Use goal 20, get 20% off, make us look good uh, using that promo code. But I'm going to bet against a team that I think is going to fight relegation all season, and that is Everton. So I'm going to be taking Nottingham Forest, a newly promoted side who looked very good and competitive, more importantly, this past weekend. I also think in their their first opening matchup in, back in the Premier League, they were a lot more difficult uh, on newcastle than a two nothing final score would have suggested so currently Nottingham forest are a plus one half of a goal underdog so plus 0.5 uh juice is about even right now uh bet online where i'm looking at it so uh even with everton so minus 108 is what i'm seeing uh Nottingham forest they are trying to gel a lot of players they brought in a lot of different players from different leagues a couple from germany from all over the map essentially um, but they have a great manager who's very conservative, but will make it very hard in Everton to score goals. And Everton, unfortunately, have no one to score right now. Um, they did get an own goal last weekend, um, fortunately from a former player of theirs who's maybe doing them a solid uh, unintentionally, but uh, you could argue that for sure. Um, and I think Everton are really in a tough spot where they basically play home games on a, a huge crowd, and that's what they are relying upon to... Uh, get them over the line. It worked last year. Barely they were able to, to survive relegation. I think two weeks before the end of the season, which is a really, really long way deep into the year. Um, but Nottingham Forest are certainly trying to avoid that path. I think they're going to be trying their best to shut up shop and make it as difficult on Everton to score as possible. Uh, but Forest do have some some talent. Jesse Lingard, who they brought in from Manchester United, is always a scary figure from around the box. And Taiwo Awoniyi came in from Union Berlin. He's a really big body, and I think he's going to be really tough for Everton and certainly could be one of those guys that gets taken down for a penalty uh, in the box that ends up being a deciding factor in a Nottingham Forest win. Uh, I think in I really love underdogs, as you've already mentioned on this show, especially in soccer where there's no overtime. Um, I think there's a really good chance there are no goals in this matchup, so I'm not sure you want to get your popcorn ready for this one. Uh, but I'll take Nottingham Forest plus one half goal at Everton.
0: I like it a lot. You mentioned Everton in our first podcast. Thank you if you've listened to that and you've stuck around that you wanted to fade them. Well, you've been proven right by my whole ATS margin tool. One of the worst teams so far in the league. Really missing Richarlison. They've only scored one goal. And on the Nottingham Forest side, this kind of goes back to a, a tried and true perspective thing that RJ Bell's talked about on this feed, which is. When you have a historic, not even historic, if you have like a momentum-building achievement, which Nottingham Forest just did, they hadn't had a home game in the Premier League, I think, since the Premier League existed. In over 20 years, Nottingham Forest hasn't been involved in what they just did. And they went and they hosted West Ham, and their crowd was raucous the entire time, and they won 1-0. Well, a lot of times we think, wow, they just had this huge win they're going to come back to the pack. They're going to have a lack of adrenaline. RJ says not so fast, and I agree with this concept. I've come back to it many times. When you're a team that's precocious, when you're achieving more than you should, uh, when you're not just a juggernaut that finally you know achieved a goal and can relax, when you're a young team that's bucking what's, what's expected, like Nottingham Forest, you tend to build on that success. So they just had their first Premier League home game in 20-plus years, they won, I think that charges them up rather than lets them down the next week. So uh, agree with fading Everton and I kind of like Nottingham Nottingham in this spot here. So good pick. Nottingham plus a half is going to be Griffin Warner's best bet. Mine is Barcelona minus a quarter goal. You can kind of tell who's been in this game a little bit uh, sharper. He has the sharp pick on the Premier League team getting a half goal, the underdog. I'm like, Barcelona's good, but no. Honestly, I think the numbers are off here, and the favorite in this situation is the sharper pick of of the lot. So that's my best bet. Barcelona minus a quarter goal. Nottingham plus a half. What do you think, Griffin? You think we stay undefeated
1: for a third week in a row? I mean, I'm hoping for it. You know, the nice part about streaks is they only end one time, but they can live on forever. So uh, and I wouldn't sell yourself short. I mean, we're we're off to a good start. We had a really good handicap uh, from your best bet on Chelsea. Uh, And I got to say five and oh feels really nice. I'm looking forward to it already. Hell yeah, man. Let's keep it going. Uh, We will
0: talk to you guys next week.